0: At butcherbox.com/slash morning cup and use code MorningCup to choose your free-for-a-year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order.
1: Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder?
0: Forest grabbed the knife and then
1: just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet on my head these are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called what was that like true stories told by the actual person who went through it you'll hear from a stalking victim
0: came back upstairs and when i came back and turned the corner into my room i saw him standing there
1: you'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured i would do anything say anything to simply get away and you'll hear actual 911 calls oh my god Oh my God! Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at WhatWasThatLike.com. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, <laughs> they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. Okay. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird.
0: Morning. Some people should never be allowed to handle a firearm. On March 4th, 1968, a young boy was born who would, at the age of just 19, go on a rampage that saw the deaths of seven individuals and the wounding of an additional 19. A boy who, when it was all said and done, used a number of weapons from a personal arsenal that he owned completely legally. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Julian Knight, born March 4, 1968, was the oldest of three children and adopted by a family with strong ties to the military when he was just 10 years old. Because of this, the young boy moved around frequently and to locations all over the world before settling down in early 1975 in Laverton, Victoria, where he would attend the local primary school. Five years later, when Julian was just 12 years old, his parents filed for divorce. After primary school, Julian attended the Westbourne Grammar School, Fitzroy High School, and later was admitted into the selective Melbourne High School by way of academic examination. From an early age, Julian unsurprisingly showed great interest in all things military, before settling his obsession with World War II and Nazi Germany. His interest ran so deep that at the age of just 14, he joined the Australian Army cadets, served in two different units, and at the age of just 17, enlisted in the Army Reserve while still attending high school, hoping to live out his lifelong dream of defending Australia in a war. In 1986, he began schooling at Latrobe University, studying French, German history, and politics, toting an IQ of 132, and by the following year, entered the Royal Military College. Now, while serving in the military had always been Julian's dream, the only subject he seemed to excel at was his weapons exercises, and was eventually advised to leave after an incident where he stabbed a superior while intoxicated. He was sent back to Melbourne and arrived on July 24th, 1987, at which point he found out that his longtime girlfriend no longer wanted to see him and that his mother, with whom he had always felt he could rely, had already turned his childhood bedroom into an extra living room. With no money, no girlfriend, and no place to call home, Julian started to buckle under the weight of his losses. Just 16 days after he arrived home, Julian made a move that no one expected a move that would end up costing seven people their lives. The events of Sunday, August 9th, 1987 have been pieced together based on the police investigation and with small pieces added by Julian Knight himself. After waking up in the temporary bedroom his mother had set up for him in their home in Clifton Hill, somewhere between 1.10 p.m. and 4.10 p.m., Julian left and attended a belated birthday celebration for his mother at his grandmother's house in a suburb of Hawthorne. There, he drank two cans of beers and left the party in his car with his younger sister in the passenger seat. After dropping her off, still buzzed from the alcohol, Julian started driving aimlessly around the neighborhood before deciding to head over to his ex-girlfriend's home so he could give her a magazine. He only stayed at her apartment for a few minutes before getting back into his car and continuing his listless cruising. Just minutes later, the gearbox of his car, his only real asset, jammed up and got stuck in second gear. Forced to limp the car back home, he went inside, changed his clothes, and angrily slammed back another beer before walking to the nearby Royale Hotel at around 5.30 p.m. There, he drank alone for about three hours, and according to his later testimony, said he had a, quote, vision of soldiers being ambushed. He felt as though this was his call to arms and at around 8.55 p.m. rushed out of the hotel and ran at full speed back to his mother's home, made small talk with his sister until she retreated to the rear of the house to watch a movie with their mother, and then grabbed all of his legally owned weapons that were stashed under his mother's bed. There were, in total, six different weapons of varying calibers to choose from, but Julian settled on a Ruger rifle, a Mossberg shotgun, and an M14 rifle. After loading up his personal arsenal, stuffing his pockets with about 100 rounds of ammunition, which included a, quote, suicide round, Julian casually walked out the front door of his mother's home and ran out into Ramsden Street, which he followed until he reached the eastern side of the main four-lane arterial road, called Hoddle Street. There at 9.30 p.m., Julian opened fire at all the passing cars with his Ruger rifle. The first car that he shot contained a married couple, Khan and Rita Vitkos. Rita received minor injuries and Khan was able to drive farther away before another round could make it into their car. Just after Vitkos' car came, two more, one containing Michael Anthony and Trevor Smealy, and the other being driven by Gregory Elliott, arrived on the same road. The shot fired towards Gregory's car narrowly missed his head, and though both cars were damaged, all three managed to survive the ordeal. Next was the car of Alan, Jury, Monica Vitelli, and Danielle Mina. Both Alan and Monica were injured, but all managed to survive and pull into a nearby mobile service station where the other victims had parked to figure out what had just happened. Moving towards the nearby Clifton Hill Railway Station to ensure that he could fire on every south and northbound vehicle that passed him, Julian then shot the car containing Raewyn Crichton, Bernard Michael, and Diane Arnold, all who escaped without injury. Then came Sand Wong, who received only minor injuries, and Diane Fitzpatrick, who was seriously injured in her back. The next three cars all managed to get by with no injuries and contained Michael Persh. Jacqueline Longst, Isaac Loman, Reginald Dutton, and Santa Sabaliki. It was at this point that Julian had run out of ammunition for the Ruger, dropped it on the nearby nature strip, and picked up the Mossberg shotgun, which, with a much louder blast, alerted local residents to the shooting and the first calls to police started to come in. Next to drive by was Sharon Maunder, whose car was hit but she remained uninjured. Then Vesna Makaska, who received only minor injuries, followed by a car being driven by her fiancé, Zoran Triseski, who only received minor wounds. Both Vesna and Zoran parked their cars on the side of the road to take cover, and as they did so, a car being driven by Georgina Papianow stopped on the opposite side of the street and was immediately met with gunfire. She was injured, but survived the attack. The same could be said about the next few cars containing Jane Morris, Kay Edwards, and Cecily Corliss. By this time, a bit further down Hoddle Street, drivers were able to flag down a van containing Constables Glenn Nichols and Belinda Borchere and tell them about the dangerous shooting that was taking place down the road, a shooting that, by this point, had not seen any fatalities. The constables then drove to the scene, lights and sirens blaring, and radioed in for backup. When they reached the intersection of Hoddle Street and Ramsden, Julian opened fire and continued to do so as four more cars drove by. Matthew Morrow, Edward McShortall, and Trevor Robinson all received minor wounds, while Keith Wing Shing, who stopped his car opposite of Julian, received a serious jaw and throat wound. Moving positions yet again and reloading his weapon, Julian fired at a car containing Kevin Skinner, his wife, Tracy, and their son, Adam. Tracy was killed instantly by the bullet to her face, while Adam, who was on her lap below the window, was scraped up by the glass that shattered above him. Local residents, Peter Kermy and friend, John Muscat, approached the scene and were fired at immediately. Peter was seriously injured and John lost his life, while Steve White, an attendant at a nearby swimming pool, ran over to issue first aid. He was seriously injured by Julian's final shotgun blast. By this point, it was 9.39 p.m. and a number of police units were rushing to the scene. Julian dropped his now-empty Mossberg, took position, and started aiming his M14 at whoever crossed his path. Realizing there was a lull in the shooting, Vesna Makovska broke cover from her car and made it to the nearby footpath. As soon as she got on the path, she was spotted, shot and seriously injured. As she fell back onto the roadway, Julian fired two more shots and killed her. While the police air wing got the news that one of their helicopters was needed to assist at the scene, an officer noticed another break in the shooting and decided to fire his own shot at Julian Knight, missing him by a couple feet. Immediately after, Robert Mitchell, who had driven through the ambush zone without injury, parked his car further down Hoddle Street ran up the eastern side and attempted to render first aid to Vesna. By the time he reached her, Julian had taken his aim and, hitting him in the side of the head, killed him instantly. As the police from various locations took up position, Julian opened fire on a car being driven by Jacqueline Turner and on Georgina Papianow, who had walked over to try and help Vesna and Robert Mitchell. Jacqueline's car was hit and Georgina was fatally shot. Another car containing a man named John Finn drove through the ambush zone and received minor injuries and Andrew Hack, who drove by next, was seriously injured on his left side. The car in which Andrew was riding in was being driven by Dusan Flajnik, who, after being shot, led to death in his car. By this time, another ambulance was dispatched and sent to the service station, which was designated as a safe rendezvous location. The next car to be shot at contained Michael Smith and Jacqueline Meggins. Both were injured but managed to make it out with their lives, just as two more ambulances arrived to tend to the long list of injured victims. Next, at around 9.44 p.m., came the car driven by Stephen Mihalidis, who escaped unscathed, and motorcycle rider Kenneth Stanton, who was hit in the left leg and fell onto the roadway. As he lay there helplessly, Julian shot two more times. Kenneth laid there until he took his last breath. He became the last death attributed to Julian Knight, though not the last injury by a long shot. Shortly after his death, another car came by containing Demetrios Calivas, Renetta Cotabella, Danny Cotabella, and Danny DeLuca, who, upon having the front of their car shot, reversed and floored it back down the street until they crashed into a police car who had just arrived at the scene. Only Renetta and Danny Cotabella were injured. As they reversed down the street, a motorcycle driven by Wayne Timms and Jane Timbery came down the road followed by a car containing Alexandra and Steven Stamatopoulos and Irene, Vicky, and Panagioti Fontes. It was at this point completely surrounded that Julian decided to retreat from his hunting spot and instead of shooting these drivers, started turning his attention to the 40 or so police officers. Over the course of his 15-minute rampage, he fired a total of 97 bullets of three different calipers. Julian then turned around and started to climb onto the western platform of the Clifton Hill Railway Station, ran north along the platforms, and continued until he reached a fork in the tracks and followed left. There he spotted a police car and fired three more shots. He then moved towards a cluster of trees, sat down, and lit up a cigarette as if nothing had happened over the last few minutes. Minutes later, the helicopter called in, more officers arrived, and Julian finished his smoke. He then made his way towards Northcote and took up position at the end of the road over Mary Creek. Just before 10 p.m., he fired on a passing police car, injuring Constable Colin Chambers, and then moved back to the suburb of Fitzroy North. There, the helicopter finally spotted him and followed as he ran into a line of trees beside the railway to attempt cover. After about five minutes, he came out of his hiding spot, knelt down, and started firing at the helicopter, and they were forced to make an emergency landing when he hit their main fuel tank. Julian then continued on and made his way towards his ex-girlfriend's home, where, at around 10.13, he was spotted by two responding officers. As they made chase, Julian jumped off the trail and started firing his last 10 gunshots at the police car. Constable John Delahunty received minor shrapnel injuries and he and Constable Ralph Lockman were forced to flee their car. Weapons trained on the gunman, the constables demanded a surrender. Julian, realizing he was at the end of his rampage, went searching for his suicide bullet but realized it had fallen out of his pocket. He then leaned into the officer's headlights, dropped his empty M14 and stood up with his hands in the air. In total, 19-year-old Julian Knight, over the course of less than an hour, killed seven people and injured 19, all complete strangers to the man who once wanted to defend Australia. Back at the station, Julian was questioned extensively about the shooting and even took part in a reenactment of his rampage. He was charged first with the murder of John Muscat the following morning. According to his statements, he blamed the military for his crimes, saying, quote, they trained me to kill, and I killed, and scrutinized the police for their slow response time, casting himself as the hero in this story. During the trial, Julian's lawyers attempted to argue that his actions were influenced by a personality disorder with hysterical features. In the end, though, he was sentenced to seven concurrent life terms with a non-parole period of 27 years. Over the years, Julian Knight has issued a number of legal challenges to the Victorian government and makes it very well known his dissatisfaction with his new home behind bars. He was finally barred from launching any further legal actions in October of 2004, with a judge declaring him a vexatious litigant, only the 13th person to be declared as such since 1930. This did not stop him from making himself a nuisance. Shortly before becoming eligible for parole in 2014, the Victorian government passed the Corrections Amendment Act of 2014, which prevented the parole board from ordering Julian's release, quote, unless satisfied, amongst other things, that Mr. Knight is in imminent danger of dying or is seriously incapacitated, and that, as a result, he no longer has the physical ability to do harm to any person." He challenged the validity of this legislation a number of times, but lost his final appeal in August of 2017. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on March 5th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.